0: If you want to take my vision, you're going to need a lot more people. Because I'm Arataki Ito, the supreme, the one and only. Now it's showtime! and welcome back to the footy dashi podcast. I am Nicholas and I'm here with Lauren. Lauren, how, how are you doing? Because you have a bit of a tail with regards to how you were doing.
1: Yes, it is a little too long for the podcast, but if any of you have been keeping up with me on Twitter, you knew that I recently actually had to get some stitches for some inflammation that was in my back. Um, basically, I had to get it removed. So everything is fine and I'm doing great. But man, I don't know if I'm sleeping better or worse because of a postdoc <laughs> like that. But I'm I'm happy to be here now.
0: Yeah. So at the moment, Lauren and I are both kind of broken people. Uh, Lauren is more broken than I am at the moment. Um, I had I I feel like such a wuss even saying this, but I had my um, booster, my vaccine booster, and it just wrecked me yesterday. Thankfully I'm I'm recovered. But No, yeah. it's been
1: wrecking everybody. So I don't think that says a wuss at all. If you're out there and the booster wrecked you, just let it let us know that like it's it's wrecked all of us, really.
0: So so speaking of being a damaged human being and like having to stay at home, let's talk about Christmas. <laughs> Christmas <laughs> Or rather the holiday season in general, which is very important for the games industry. Um and I know last year we talked about like in terms of production why sort of Christmas as a deadline is a very important thing to like think about. But this year I wanted to talk a little bit more about things from the player perspective. And as I was reading about, so there's, so for those of you who aren't familiar, there's this tradition in Iceland where for Christmas, I mean, they do give regular Christmas presents, but it's very common to give books as presents for Christmas. And then the whole idea is that on Christmas Eve, you sort of you, you give these book presents and then you stay up all night drinking warm beverages and like being with other people but not talking to them, which I've, I, I have to say as a Christmas, as Christmas traditions go, I prefer this being yes. with other people but not talking to them. <laughs> I love I, honestly, I love that in real life
1: as well. I hate the, I don't know urge. I hate the societal urge to talk to the people that are sitting next to you in the same room.
0: <laughs> so we were thinking what would, what? so if there were like a games version of this, so, so the, I was trying to actually come up with what the word would be in Icelandic, but I don't really speak Icelandic. So in, in, in Icelandic it's called the, uh, what is it? Yola Bóka Flood, which literally means like the Yule book flood or the Christmas time book flood. And so like, what would be the Christmas game flood? Like what, What are the games that people are binging this year, you know, to get out from the cold or maybe also to escape from COVID since, you know, we're still dealing with COVID situations? Yeah.
1: Cozy Christmas games for COVID for this year.
0: Um, (laughs) Cozy Christmas games for COVID infected teens.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's our next book. Published in 2022 uh yeah so what kind of games are there and i know that for us when we look at a game that we have been playing recently here final fantasy 14 they actually just launched uh this is the pre-order if you pre-ordered the game you have been able to play it on december 4th third Um, it was third third december 3rd and oh that is true it is today is a sunday okay um i'm a little out of it guys but i'm here i'm with us And send send, send
0: Lauren good vibes, everybody. Good vibes for Lauren. Good
1: vibes, good vibes. I'll still need them. I'll still need them. By the time you listen to this episode, I will still need them. And I think for me, one of the funny things is I ended up creating a Christmas song about it because of (laughs) I log in as my summoner and all of my keys are basically gone. Like I can't
0: Yeah, so for those of you who don't play Final Fantasy 14, um, or when or maybe the,
1: MMOs in general, right? This is a yeah. common MMO problem. I will say WoW did it a little bit better when they did redo their classes, but I would actually prefer the 14 launch. So uh, yeah. continue.
0: And we will talk about that in a second, but just for like edification purposes. So with every expansion, there generally also comes a large overhaul of all of the character classes. And some character classes were overhauled more than others. And summoner slash scholar Those of you who play will understand what I mean by that, because they're actually related classes, Um, was reworked a lot. Um, Astrologian was reworked a lot. But like in the case of, say, like White Mage, White Mage wasn't really reworked all that much. In the Uh,
1: case of Scholar, it wasn't as reworked as well as Summoner. Yeah. Um, so, for example, here is my song, and my song goes: <laughs> All I want for Christmas is my hot bars back, my hot bars back. Please, my cue time slower.
0: <laughs> yeah. So when you, so- if
1: I could only have my hot bars back, then I could play the stupid game.
0: <laughs> yeah. So when you okay, so when you log into 14, it means that if you're playing one of the classes that got reworked very heavily, like you'll just have a lot of icons that just have this like big slash through them and if you try to press they just don't do anything so you have this like useless hotbar setup and for those of you who play MMOs regularly like having your interface set up properly and so that it's really comfortable because you have so many actions you can do it's one of the things that sets MMOs apart from say like I don't know like a Zelda game in a Zelda game there aren't really that many actions that you can do like all at once whereas when you're talking about an MMO you generally have like upwards, anywhere between 20 and 40 abilities that you could use at any given time. And you have to and have them is, all available to you.
1: Right, and this is something that game designers, when you look at typical game design courses, you're going to talk about depth, not breadth. And MMO also looks at breadth and depth, right? Yeah. It's not just about how many um, solutions can you have with the similar tool set, right? So say like a hammer and a nail, you could actually do quite a lot with that. You could pick a lot by breaking the doorknob yeah, with a nail and a hammer in a, in a video game. I'm not sure if you could do that in the real world, right? <laughs> but you could also, with a hammer and a nail, turn the hammer around, right? And now you can pull out nails, right? So you can resplenish your nail supply. That's called depth, right? A hammer is a yeah. very small mechanic that can do a lot of different things. In an MMO though, it's more about increasing your toolkit and going from not just having a hammer, but having a screwdriver, having yeah. some pliers, having a wrench. And then what can you do with all of those? How do you combine them? Right. So I think that's a very interesting design philosophy, because a lot of game design courses are going to go, hey, you need to look about doing the most with a simple mechanic. But in MMOs, the simple mechanic is clicking a button. Right. Now you need to know what are all the things you can do if all you can do is click buttons. Right. So it's a similar philosophy, even though it seems counterintuitive. Um, well, and also because supposed to be a cozy yeah. episode, not so much a <laughs> yeah,
0: instructional episode. But I will say
1: that if Nicholas and I are in a room together, not talking to each other, one of us will burn out something very academic that's true, uh, yeah. while reading a book or playing a game. And someone will be like, we can't believe that they thought to do that. And then the other one will go well, what? What do they think of doing? <laughs> so,
0: so it's okay, very yeah. typical
1: for our cozy sessions.
0: So, for the, for those of you who have listened to my, any of, like, the solo episodes I've done, you probably already know about me that I tend to prefer games that are, for lack of a better way to describe it, managey Games that require a lot of, like, multitasking and... Not necessarily focused on like all of the like Twitch mechanics, but more about like how do I get everything organized strategically and everything to make sense. So I like a lot of city builder games. I like a lot of grand strategy games. I tend to like games that are more open ended, um, may involve like fight mechanics and combat mechanics, but don't necessarily have to. Um, precisely because I like those games that, for me, a game is engrossing when it. I don't know, when it's like you always have something that you have to be doing. And so my quintessential like example for this would be the game, um well the game that I play in this regard, which is uh Total War, Warhammer 2, <laughs> which is, is also um,
1: your cozy Christmas game. You're stuck in it home. Is, it is actually you'll... my cozy Christmas game.
0: So Yay! in addition So in addition to like because it's it's a game that I can play whenever. And the nice thing about, like, the way the um, the game is set up, it's the kind of game, and since it's turn-based, you can be in a given campaign, and you can play it for varying lengths of time. In other words, there are a lot of very nice, convenient stopping points. You don't and have to feel con- like, yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah, that right.
1: context for making sure that you have the, uh, that context for knowing what type of game makes your game cozy, right, is really important, too, because... For me, like Total War or Warhammer would not be the game that I would no. choose for my cozy Christmas game at all. It's way too managey. But that's really <laughs> interesting. That, like for you, that's gonna help your like it helps your brain relax.
0: Well, yeah, because you know this about me. I need to be like, I get very if I'm idle. In other words, if I'm not doing anything, or if I, it's weird. So this is an experience I had yesterday because I spent most of the day yesterday just watching um, crap on Netflix. I That's thought you true. were going
1: to say watching the queue go down.
0: <laughs> no, I, I couldn't. I tried to play 14 yesterday and I couldn't focus because um, I was just so like delirious. I just couldn't. So it was, it's, nah, sucks. I wanted no, to play.
1: Absolutely. No, 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 like, no. I couldn't even get in because I'm on Pacific time and everybody on, I guess, think my server is basically Pacific time. Yeah. So it was just not happening.
0: So anyway, the point that I was trying to make is it's not so like I'm delirious and I'm watching Netflix. And if I get idle like that, I get really depressed. Like if I just have to sit and like stew in my own thoughts, like I get really, really depressed. So it's calming for me, and it's in many ways sort of like a psychological coping mechanism to be able to immerse myself in And it's not just like Total War, Warhammer 2. It's games, I could go through the list. Like a really good game for this right now would be, um, even though it's technically not released, it is in early access, which is Timberborn. Timberborn is a really good game for this. And it's got beavers beavers are great who doesn't love a good beaver? yeah who doesn't love beavers <laughs> but the, anyway the, but, the, but the point is, is that sort of that managingness and also like the idea of like taking care of like either an empire that you're trying to con- you know c- construct or like your you know your village of beavers that idea that sort of care is involved and attention it helps distract me from all of those like idle nasty thoughts that i tend to have that really drive me insane
1: yeah, I mean, there is something to be said for dealing with the nasty thoughts as they come up, because I will also say that while your cozy games are beavers and war, uh, and now I want a game <laughs> called Beaver War. That would be <laughs> there probably already
0: is a game called Beaver War. There is war. <laughs> a game called Beaver War.
1: Um, and if there isn't... And if there isn't, boy, isn't we're making... That's, that's going on the
0: list of the games that the Furidashi Studios will be making one day. <laughs> we are going to be war. making those one day.
1: Um... I would say my cozy games are going to be something that has like an enrapturing story and something that helps use my spatial knowledge. So I actually really tend to like a lot of the, I don't want to be like 3D puzzle platformers because that's not really what they're called anymore. Um, But like Uncharted 2 was a really big puzzle platformer game or the old like Tomb Raider reboots, even reboot from 2013, because it's like an action adventure game, but it was really more about navigating an environment or a level to try to get around obstacles and while there was like a clear path in some of the later editions of these titles right in Nathan Drake and in Uncharted 4 you had like multiple ways to kind of get somewhere and I think that's yeah. where I get bored is that in the older titles there's like one thing um yeah. I would actually say that Watch Dogs Legion for me falls into that category with a lot of the platforming mechanics that are in that game because it is a stealth game yeah. But it is a game that whenever you go into being, like, a spider bot or being, like, a drone, like, now you're kind of platforming around the environment. Yeah. And for me, what's really relaxing, obviously, is reading. Like, I really love to read. Yeah. And so any game that has a ton of reading in it and it has a ton of choice that allows me to, like, use my – kind of my ability to, to make decisions, I guess, is kind of relaxing. Yeah. Which is funny because I don't want to do that in the real world, like – I don't want to make decisions in the real world, I guess, <laughs> when I'm tired and I want to be cozy, yeah. you know, like I'm sitting and yeah, yeah, drinking yeah. a hot chocolate with yeah. a peppermint candy it, cane Lauren is
0: literally like clutching a blanket right now in like the cutest way possible. You guys can't see this, but it is very adorable. I, I was not trying to be adorable. I'm just like, I'm doing that thing cats do when they're nervous where they paw something. I'm yeah. like
1: pawing the blanket right now. <laughs> With my, like, headphones on and I'm just, like, my glasses are fogging. I'm just, like, what do I do? Um, I would say my cozy game would be Dragon Age because it's such a cozy experience where, like, even, I would say even Origins or, like, DA2 or, like, any of them, just booting it up and sitting there because your dialogue choice. So you just kind of, like, play out different storylines, right? Yeah. You get to character create really like, dressing things up and making characters. So yeah. any I'm a sucker for a cool character creation system. Um so so anything with with character creation is great. <sighs> so, I was playing so, I was yeah. playing something with a good character creator. I like I forget. Anyway, keep keep talking. I, I have been very delirious the past week for lack of sleep. So I will remember.
0: I <laughs> the point that I that I was gonna add to that is that like to me, it seems that the comment like even though dragon age inquisition which i know is probably your favorite of the three although no i thought no two is your favorite
1: i think two is my favorite yeah. for not only the developer story but the impact and the brevity of it right it's actually a yeah. very short and bingeable experience you couldn't do it in a day but you could do it over christmas weekend yeah especially if you started at say like christmas eve You like play it all night, right? Then you go to sleep a little in the morning and then you open up presents two hours later. You go to sleep again and then you play it again all Christmas day. It's only like a 47-hour experience
0: so this is interesting to me because
1: sorry she says as an rpg player <laughs> rpgs are obviously my my go-to for relaxing I really 47 like RPG... hours is not it's not that long no
0: but uh, <laughs> but that's the thing is that so one of the common things you can that, do
1: it in a weekend which is 48 hours <laughs> you, it's like, you know hours it's so easy hours. you could just
0: blast your way through it by literally two <laughs> entire days not eating or sleeping you know just just get through it. Just like get it done.
1: <laughs> this is what a hardcore gamer sounds like. Come on, because the weekend's really seventy six hours. Okay, so forty seven out of seventy six. You get. You have like twenty hours to sleep there.
0: Come on, guys. Come on. This game is only a hundred hours long. What is wrong with you?
1: Get okay. it done. If you would get get it, it done. done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me finally <laughs> make the point that I was going to make, which is that. Even though a lot of these games that we're mentioning are very different from each other, one of the things that they have in common is their kind of massiveness. And when I say massive, I mean, that's probably not specific. But what I mean by that is the, like, there is, I don't know, it's just like there is a lot you can do. And you don't have to do all of it. And so what that means is that you have, like, a game like Dragon Age Inquisition is a good example of this. Where, like, it actually, you can probably blow through the main storyline again in rpg fast in rpg terms in about 50 hours but you could also spend upwards of several hundred hours playing that game and in one of the games in fact i won't use the games that i mentioned as an example like if any because this applies to any grand strategy game. like let's say you're playing hearts of iron like hearts of iron isn't even really one game it's almost like it's a, a hundred games that have sort of been like smushed together into one platform because you you play through like you know the entire historical development of a given country and, like, that 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 playthrough could be a game by itself. So, like, you know, playing England as communist or, you know, playing France as fascist or playing the United States as, you know, and then there are mods for Hoy where you can, but, like... But for
1: real, don't play any game where you're a fascist. Just so that we're clear, try, we're saying the... Tra- the point please, is, please
0: you, yeah, p- theoretically... Do you good. Be, yeah. But the point is, is that, like, you can play... All, so first of all, you have all of the, the individual countries that are playable in the game. And then with each of them, you have so many different ways to play them that there is a depth and breadth of play. So really what we're talking about here are games that have not made the tradeoff. So like even a game like, uh, and I, and I mean this, so like a game like Animal Crossing, Animal Crossing New Horizons, the one for, for Switch. Like it really kind of hasn't made the depth versus breadth trade-off. It has a lot of both because the games themselves are just so massive. And a lot of that results from the fact that, particularly when you're talking about grand strategy, you know, the classic grand strategy games, the the original like release version of the game doesn't necessarily have the breadth. It has the depth, but it doesn't have the breadth. But it creates breadth through a series of DLCs, and the DLCs themselves could be like an entire game all by themselves. But they add on, they sort of flesh out that initial game rather than sort of like have to be entirely compartmentalized.
1: Yeah, so let's look at a couple of titles that we mentioned one earlier in today's episode about Legend of Zelda, how that is yeah. more of a game that has depth, but not necessarily breadth, but obviously in breadth of bre- the wild. Bre- breadth
0: of the wild. <laughs> you, can, uh,
1: <laughs> you can see that they actually created it to be incredibly systemic, right? they. Changed the original, you could quote unquote, Legend of Zelda formula because they wanted to increase his Link's toolkit, but also yeah. then, right, decrease the decisions and then increase the amount of choice that you had with the decisions that were given to you. Yeah. And so that's a really great example of like a franchise, right, going away from their more linear content into something that's more open ended.
0: Likewise,
1: yeah. we actually look at Final Fantasy VII Remake, and that is kind of the opposite, right, of Final Fantasy fifteen. Or obviously in Final Fantasy XIV, yeah. where yeah. 15 had a very similar companion-based action sort of kind of experience.
0: Yeah. It tried
1: to go the Skyrim route, become super open-ended. And then due to development after chapter eight, falls back on the more traditional action adventure turn slash turn-based combat of Final Fantasy games, which is all linear. Yeah.
0: Right? Well, also there were there were complaints about like 15 tried to do new things, and unfortunately, like Final Fantasy has this fan base that has a conception of what a Final Fantasy game is supposed to be. And so a lot of the people who playtested it were like, eh.
1: Yeah. And then what sucks is that I love Final Fantasy fifteen until it got to the point where I guess their user base went, eh.
0: Yeah. yeah, Players suck. Players are awful.
1: And I will say that the learning, like the problem is that it doesn't get really good until... Like, if they had literally taken their starting island and then made a second, better, more polished version of that, honestly, I think the game would have been a lot better. Because the first game, the first part of it, especially you're in the tutorial for so long, because of a Final Fantasy game, they're giving you so many mechanics and skills. You're in the tutorial for, like, 50 hours. Yeah, yeah. So after that mark, honestly, it felt like I was playing Final Fantasy Skyrim. And I don't really enjoy Skyrim, personally, despite being, uh, meeting my criteria, you would say, right, for depth and breadth. (laughs) <laughs> but with Final Fantasy VII, I wouldn't consider that a cozy bingeable game, which it might be for some others, because it is something that's a little shorter, but it's not something that you can kind of lose yourself in. And that doesn't, it doesn't give you good feels. Like, it's meant to challenge you at every single level. Yeah. It's sort of sudden feeling like you've accomplished something you know, five minutes in, 15 minutes in, 50 minutes in, you really don't feel like you've accomplished something unless you've beaten the entire level, right? Or maybe it's a game that you need to beat all the way through. So for me, that's not very cozy. Um, If that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, no, it it, it makes sense. And precisely because it goes back to, okay, I'm going to
1: we should have defined cozy. Like, cozy, I'm okay, like so, an academic now. Okay, I'm like, cozy. Man, yeah, yeah. No, this, what this is What is good. cozy?
0: What is cozy? So for me, cozy means a game that you can sort of like easily fall into, and in falling into it, it provides you a kind of feeling of comfort, comfortable distraction.
1: Comfort and joy. <laughs> oh, <there's laughs> tidings for comfort <sighs> and joy. This is a Christmas episode. You knew I was gonna say No,
0: it's a holiday episode.
1: Oh, this is a holiday episode. And we are in fact right now
0: as we're recording this, we, it is still technically Hanukkah. So
1: it is technically Hanukkah. My trail, not dreidel, dreidel, the... dreidel. on <laughs> two trade. Sorry, I went to like Jewish community school when I was a kid.
0: <laughs> so this this episode will come out after Hanukkah is already over, but when we're while we're recording it's still Hanukkah. Anyway, so the point that I was going to make before Lauren delightfully distracted me, delightfully delightful distraction, that's an ex- aspect of coziness as well, is that if you fall into a game and it has a kind of ease to it, and I think the ease is really the important part, and it's one of the advantages that a game that sort of like has a set... like actually here here's here's a good example of i think how this works so if you look at the difference between say breath of the wild and genshin impact in fact genshin impact actually outright just steals a lot of the the good ideas. oh it does all the good ideas from breath of the wild and leaves behind most of the bad ideas (laughs) i don't personally love playing genshin impact as much as i love playing breath of the wild because of you know nostalgic feelings about zelda but i am willing to admit that genshin impact is probably a better game because the way it does breadth is the same way that, you know, most of the like the, the grand strategy games do breadth. They do it through adding on additional characters, like creating like another path through the game's, you know, elaborate systems. But that new path is, in, is almost like, a, like every new character in Genshin Impact is like playing an entirely new game. And so that's where it develops the breadth from. And the reason why that has a coziness to it is because even though it's providing you something new, it's providing you something new within the context of a, of like a rule set, controls, and so forth that you're already familiar with. So there's a degree of familiarity there. And so that, that's what contributes to the ease. But then there's still a degree of novelty that can sort of suck you in and keep you engaged. In other words, it both manages to be comfortable, familiar, without being repetitive. And that's coziness.
1: I like that definition of coziness. I love that it's the ease of I guess immersion. Right. Yeah. It's delightful the distractions, right? And it's kind of that hook that when you get through all of that, you know, immersive and you're distracted enough, it kind of just keeps you along for the ride. Yeah. In that in that coziness definition, I'm we're really excited to like figure out what you think is cozy. Cause for me, <laughs> yeah. what I would say any I mean, I hate being like this, but any open world assassin's creed like game is so cozy for me
0: because
1: you're immediately immersed into this new unique world where it has a lot of parallels to the your own world right a lot of these cities and uh like even if historical sites or if it's modern day are really kind of transposed right on your map so i have to use my spatial knowledge in order to kind of stealth around everybody because i'm a big spatial knowledge person i really kind of know where I am in the world, and I love learning and applying that knowledge in games. So I love being able to stealth around cover points and figuring out like what's the optimal route to hack a server, or yeah. the optimal route to assassinate my target. Yeah, That type of knowledge is very, it's just kind of innate. It's my character knowledge. That is the skill I come with out of the character creator of <laughs> Oven, so to speak. And that's funny because there's no character creation in these games, right? There's no,
0: no, yeah. no you get, there's no, really you nothing there.
1: Yeah, you've set characters.
0: But at the same time, like No, okay, no, there's there's no no, you just Well, don't. no, but
1: at the same Well, in Watch Dogs Legion actually, the character creator okay. yeah. is done for you. Every NPC is a PPC or a potential player character. Yeah. And you can dress up your characters in basically very different outfits depending on the money that you have. That's the real end game, right? Glam is the real end game. <laughs> so that's all you can do with the money that you earn. That's yeah. quite literally all you can do with the money that you earn is buy clothes. And I like literally just went shopping in Regency Street last night just just for like 30 minutes for like one of my characters because I was like oh my god look at all these new shops I can unlock
0: um
1: and that's exactly right you're laughing because you're like Lauren that's what you would do in the real world and I'm no, like I'm, no I'm laughing
0: no I'm laughing I could afford it <laughs> because that's that's the only thing that I do with my money in Final Fantasy 14 <laughs> I only use it to, to buy Yeah,
1: for buy gear and buy glams just
0: glams yeah
1: yeah I guess what's nice too is that you're able to buy the glam for your healer. And if it's all the same outfit, you can just kind of glam for each different healer. Yep. Because today what I realized is my healer classes had different glams, but shared all the same armor. So yep. I ended up actually having to buy better armor for my higher class, just so that I wouldn't have the glamors like contradict. That sounds so lame and terrible, but it's no, true. no,
0: that it, it's, it, it does work this way because the, the only like, okay, so this is going to be really in the weeds, but the only, um, pants slot, the only trousers slot that I could find that looks like jeans in the game, or like sort of to me looks satisfactorily like jeans, is actually a healer item. And so that worked really well for this combination that I did with um that, the um the Animos leather jacket, and then the really cool like psychedelic rose colored sunglasses. I really like that outfit. I'm very proud of it. And then the boots to match. Like,
1: oh I'm so proud of that outfit. Yeah. yeah no, really I have good. like I have a paladin outfit that's like little Japan and and big wild world but like it's just like I'm like western cowboy um anyway all that all that (laughs) to say that 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 gives coziness right like yeah exactly that's the choice and the influence that you can put onto your character having character creation like as a character customizer is one way right you want to be a male Vieira be a male Vieira you can finally do it now yeah but like if you want to dress up your character or have better gear in Assassin's Creed, right? A lot of that's the gear, the loot chase, how you look. And I think that for a lot of my friends, a lot of it would be that was cozy would be something like um, Destiny 2, right? Yeah. Destiny 2's cozy for a lot of people. Um, something that would normally be cozy for this holiday season would be Call of Duty. But I've been reading a lot of uh, <laughs> articles about how Call of Duty, what Vanguard actually has less sales than anticipated which yeah. is really fascinating to me same it was the but same I, with
0: on battlefield uh, 2042 did not do well at all
1: yeah that is really i mean are people just i mean oh man i'm gonna say this and i'm getting a little excited <laughs> are people just tired of war games
0: no <laughs> that's not that i, I, don't, think, I don't think
1: like is is covid right is this pandemic making people realize that maybe depressing, realistic, gristly, horrific environments in which you have to shoot <laughs> others and kill their <laughs> problems is maybe not what we need right now.
0: No, I, I just don't know. It... it
1: would be so giddy if that was right. I know it's wrong because we live in the United States of mer Yeah, but, and
0: also because but... the, the obvious counterpoint is that Halo Infinite is, is like- Yeah,
1: but that's I mean. in space, Nicholas. That's an escape. We're not on the world anymore where COVID exists. Uh... We're in Halo.
0: I don't a know. I've actually heard not- <laughs> it is a stretch. I've heard a lot of people
1: get into Halo Infinite, and it is just honestly like my brain is not wired for those twitch like mechanics. It's stressful. I have to make twitch snap second decisions pretty much every day at work. Not like in a high level CEO functioning capacity that would yeah. be ascribed to it. But I just twitch everything all the time. Yeah. Like that's my state is twitchy.
0: I'm yeah. constantly
1: making decisions. And so to play a game that makes me have to constantly make micro decisions is really hella stressful. Yeah. So I would like a game that lets me focus and and eases me into that focus so that I can make more high-level, strategic, spatial decisions.
0: Yeah. So actually, I think a game that is really good for demonstrating how this works is Tetris. Tetris mechanically sort of, I think, explains how it is that people get eased into really difficult like as you said like twitch responses because Tetris starts off pretty slow and then you know but then over time like it's it speeds up it slowly speeds up it slowly speeds up such that if you get to like you know later stages of the game it's going ridiculously fast But because you have been eased into it, you don't experience that as like "Ah," being harried. You just experience that as being kind of in the flow or in the groove. Or, I mean, and it's not just in Tetris. It's in other similar games. Like, even like Dr. Mario for, like, uh, Luminous. Like, these are games that do a very... In fact, actually, I think Luminous does a really good job of this because the music in that game is so fantastic. And it's sort of, like, it understands that getting somebody into, like, a groove and a rhythm is really important for, like, how the gameplay works. Tetris kind of does this, and I guess the song is a bit catchy, but it it does feel... start to feel repetitive over time. But that sort of way in which... Like, you can have a game that is really frenetic, but if you just like if it's like i don't know like titanfall where you literally just get dropped in and shit's blowing up all around you and you're just like ah that's not that's not cozy frenetic that's just like
1: yeah and that's why it's really hard to pick up these games right after so long is that unfortunately games that are so long and linear tend to ramp you up almost assuming as if you're going to play it in that order and all at once yeah which is kind of ridiculous right a bit yeah It is. It is a bit. And I would say that of all of the things that I learned at Crystal Dynamics, this is actually one of the key principles that I really took away from, was that when creating a single-player linear level design, you do need to re- visit those early mechanics at the start of every level yeah. and so tomb raider games particularly and also seen in marvel's avengers is that the single-player campaign is
0: <laughs> lauren advertising awful. all the games that she's worked on
1: <laughs> i know right no 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 um no but what i will say is like something that's really gr- what what i hate and love about it is that there are just a f- ton of tutorials yeah it's just it's horrible like i i as a player that as a player, as a developer that has had to make tutorials and has studied tutorialization, I hate how many written tutorials are in maybe the, the latest game. And that does come from the fact that we were creating a lot of new systems. And unfortunately, the easiest way to do it is with like, here's some text, please read about it. I mean, Final yeah. Fantasy 14 is chock full of that too. Here's your gauge, here's a five paragraph essay on how to do this in a high level dungeon that you may not have unlocked yet. Good luck. Um, and then they have submenus and sub menus. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, it can be so, annoying. Yeah. And it
1: can be annoying, right? But what I will say is one of the principles of linear level design at those studios is that every time that the player is entreated into a new section of content, make sure that the level itself has the older content that was referenced as a primary way of getting ahead. And then that way, then also when you introduce the new content, make sure the end of your level has only the new introduced content to solidify what they're learning in that level. And Rise of the Tomb Raider does this really elegantly where you can have different choices of using old content that you're more familiar with or the new just recently learned content in order to like escape, right, the, the level. Yeah, yeah. Because really Tomb Raider is just a survival game and that every level is a new kind of escape mechanic.
0: Yeah, it definitely has a lot of like survival horror elements to it. Even yeah, going back I, to the very first one.
1: But I would say that like most linear games, like Final Fantasy VII Remake does not do this. No. You, you, it doesn't, no. Like I, I played that game and I had to replay content or at least like in the open world a little bit to try to get back into it, right? And Uncharted yeah. doesn't really do that all that well, um, but it probably does it pretty well, like Uncharted Four. I just know a lot of people. There's more combat in Uncharted than there is in Tomb Raider, so it's very hard to compare, right? They're both different knowledge sets. Yeah,
0: well, I think um, it's also, I think it's also different if you're talking about um, a game in which you're sort of like building out your character more. In other words, in in both like the Tomb Raider games and in the Uncharted games, you don't really have a lot of flexibility in terms of like how you design either Lara or Nathan Drake. Like you get you, you get a, a skill set and then you can choose which of the sort of things available to you in that skill set that you can use. Whereas if you look at like the Deus Ex games, you get to sort of build your character into the type of character that you're more comfortable with. And you can sort of like build skills around certain functions.
1: I would yeah, I agree with that because in in that notion though, Deus Ex is still a little bit harder to pick up because since you yeah. have built your character out yeah. over time, I will never finish Mankind Divided because I am now kind of locked. I am save locked into a state where yeah, I had right. accumulated so much knowledge right before the end that trying to go back and pick that and relearn up that, I would have to load such a far beyond save just to relearn all of the skills. Cause now I'm in a state of prog where. There are no more like real side quests. There are no more real places to kind of test my knowledge. Like it's kind of on the run. And you can see that they weren't expecting players to stop at this point um, because they don't have that optional content to do. (laughs) And it's kind of the same with Destiny 2 for me is that if I could skip the first player campaign um, of Destiny 2, I maybe I can now I have heard players tell me if I like remake a new account and get back in I might be able to get into it because I actually quite liked the combat of destiny too. but since it is a first person shooter and especially in PvP games, it is really impossible that if you don't, if you quit playing, it is a lot harder to ease back into those games. Yeah. And so I would say that if you're a current PvP player. That's probably your cozy Christmas game right like that's a game that you can't wait to play with your friends. At the end of the day, you're going to go into Call of Duty Warzone and you're going to like do your thing and it's going to be great. But if you're a new player or you stopped playing for a couple months because of the pandemic or it's just holidays, right? It's going to be a lot harder to get back into it and you're probably not going to want to play it. And all your friends are busy, right? So your team is going to be different. Apex isn't the same without your comrades. Like it's just going to be a lot harder. And so
0: actually i think that's that's a good i think that's a good place to sort of leave it off for this episode because we've talked about the cozy and then we sort of ended with what is the anti-cozy it's a nice dialectic there what is the cozy what is the anti-cozy what
1: is the anti cozy so thanks everybody (laughs) for listening on this and look forward to our twitter where we're going to be asking you what is your favorite cozy game for the christmas holiday season and let us know what you think is more cozy for you and why